Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, should you send your high school graduate to a secular college if you are a Christian? Maybe even, even if you're not a Christian, should you do that? Well, it depends obviously on what they want to do. But should you just send them to get a college education? Because, well, everyone's supposed to go to college, right? That's what we think here in America. Well, all my three children, all sons, did go to college. Two of them went to the Air Force, another's a mechanical engineer. In order for them to do what they wanted to do, they needed to get a bachelor's degree. But there are so many professions now where you don't need a degree anymore, and so much trouble occurs on college campuses, particularly for Christians. And I'm not just talking about talking kids out of their faith. That's part of it. I'm not just talking about some of the woke ideology and leftist ideology they have to put up with, but the money you got to spend now. Do you know, I didn't know this. Well, let me, let me tell you why I'm talking about this. In the second half of the program, we're going to have my friend Charlie Kirk on. Charlie has just written a book. He's from TPUSA, you might know. He's just written a book called The College Scam. And uh, the subtitle is How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of America's Youth. It's a provocative title. We're going to talk about it in the second half of the program. In reading the book, I mean, there's so many things I didn't know about college until I read this book. One of the things I didn't know is that the, the easy access to college loans now provided by the federal government since 2010 have driven tuition rates up at rates far higher than inflation. So young people are graduating with degrees that really have no utility in the workplace. In fact, half of all employers say that their college grads that they hire are not ready for the workplace. And this this easy money loan money not only has driven up tuition, but it has also put kids into college that probably shouldn't go to college because there's a 41% dropout rate. So you got all these people going to college that maybe should go into other professions, vocational professions, instead of some sort of college-educated job. And they're going through college for a little while. They're getting this massive debt, and then they're not graduating, and they've got all this massive massive debt, and even those that do graduate have this massive debt. Anyway, we're going to talk about it in the second half of the program. Until then, I want to go to some of your questions. I haven't been able to get to questions. You send questions in at hello at crossexamine.org. We can't get to all of them, but I'm going to try and get to some of them before the second half of the program. I've got a... An amazing question from Clarissa that she's actually an elementary school librarian. And I'm going to save that for the second segment because it's a long answer and a complicated situation. Uh, basically, what's going on, there's a lot of woke and in morally inappropriate books being put in elementary, her elementary school library, and she wants to know what to do about it. We'll talk about it right after 
uh, the first break. But let me get to some of your other questions that are have shorter answers. Uh, Cody has written in and, and he said, I just listened to your podcast. How would you answer this? That's from a couple of months ago when we were at uh, CIA. In the segment with uh, Dr. Hal, there was a lot of fallacies you talked about. What is your recommended reading? Easy, small brain type, he says, <laughs> to become educated on these fallacies so we can recognize them and also not commit them. Thanks for everything you do and your book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Thanks, Cody. Uh, there's a book, I don't even think it's written by a Christian, but it's called The Fallacy Detective. The Fallacy Detective. And uh, it might be a good book for homeschoolers. Actually, it's a good book for any young person. Here's the problem. We don't teach logic in school, in public school anymore. And that should be the one thing we ought to be teaching. Because if we can teach young people how to think, then they won't fall for so, so much of the fallacious, uh, fallacious reasoning that we see in our society. In fact, uh, if the school is controlled by leftists, they probably don't want logic to be taught. Because as you know, when we do say our I don't have enough faith to be an atheist presentation on college campuses, which uh, we just did one this week at Wingate University, I actually joined Charlie Kirk on Tuesday night for his presentation at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. I just did a short presentation on evidence for God. But when we go through the entire I don't have enough faith to be an atheist presentation, the first half hour or so is dealing with all these self-defeating statements that our culture puts forth. You know, there is no truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. All truth is relative. You can't know anything. You ought not judge. These are all self-defeating statements. And it's amazing how many people don't realize that they're logically self-defeating, that they defeat themselves, that they can't be true. And so if we taught logic, we'd be able to detect these fallacies. So try the fallacy detective. The other book you want to get is a book written by my co-author, Dr. Norman Geiser. It's called Come Let Us Reason. And I think Ron Brooks is the co-author on that. It's a book on logic for Christians. It's got Christian examples in it, uh, like Bible examples, that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, so you'll learn some of the Bible while you're going through this logic book. And uh, it's called Come Let Us Reason. It's been out for probably 35 or 40 years. Still a good book. If you really want to get into logic, you need to get Peter Kreft, K-R-E-E-F-T, his book called Socratic Logic. So The Fallacy Detective, uh, Come Let Us Reason, and Socratic Logic. Okay, Mary Rose writes in, and she says, I was curious what you uh, think happens to Jews after they die and when Jesus comes back on Judgment Day. I wholeheartedly believe that you cannot go to heaven unless you believe in Jesus and accept him as your Savior, but the Jews are God's chosen people. And Mary Rose writes in and asks that. Well, when we say the Jews are God's chosen people or when the Bible says that, what does that mean? Does it mean that Jews have special access to heaven that the rest of humanity doesn't have? No. I, I, I like to put it this way. The Jews are chosen, but they're not favored when it comes to salvation. They were the nation chosen to bring forth the Savior who would bless all the people of the world if they accepted the free gift of salvation uh, that the Messiah provides. But... They were not chosen in the sense that, okay, all the Jews are going to be saved uh, independent of Jesus. There, there is a scripture in Romans chapter 11 where Paul says all Israel will be saved, and scholars debate what he really means by that. I think what he means by that, when he says all Israel, true Israel, are it, 
That's that's believing people. That's true Israel. I think that's what he means by that. But you can get some commentaries and see some other positions on that. So I don't think that just because somebody is Jewish ethnically, they are saved. And that's what you're saying, Mary Rose. Of course, that's what the book of Galatians says as well. So when we say the Jews or when the Bible says the Jews are chosen, they're chosen to be the nation that brings forth the Savior who would bless the people of all nations. But they're not, they don't have some special access to salvation. Okay, Olivia writes in, hi, Frank, it was, uh, or she asks, is it beneficial for Christians to study philosophy and stoicism? Well, philosophy is necessary for a robust understanding of Christianity and the Bible because you can't understand the Bible or any other writing without philosophy. Now, technically, philosophy is called, the, the word means the love of wisdom, but in a, in a kind of practical sense, philosophy, here's my own definition, is, is how to think to discover the truth about reality. Sometimes I say philosophy is right thinking about reality, and logic is a discipline of philosophy. So, just like we were talking about a minute ago with those logic books, yes, you need to study at least logic in order to understand uh, truth. You, otherwise, you can be taken by deceptive and false statements, and you don't want that to happen. You also need a philosophy of how you interpret the scriptures. There's philosophy of science. Uh, there's philosophy involved in ethics. So yes, it's a, it's a study you need to engage in. My co-author's book, Dr. Norman Geiser, called Intro to Philosophy may be a good place to start. And I'll mention a few other things right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek, on the American Family Radio Network. We're on about 180 stations on the American Family Radio Network, and we're also in podcast. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Back in two minutes. Is it helpful or beneficial for Christians to study philosophy, including the philosophical outlook known as Stoicism? And I think the answer is yes. You have to study philosophy, as we were talking about just before the break. You say, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. The Bible talks about don't be taken by vain philosophies. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, you're not supposed to be taken in by vain philosophies. That's bad, but not all philosophy. In fact, it was C.S. Lewis who famously said something like, uh, good philosophy must exist if for no other reason to answer bad philosophy. You can't have no philosophy. You can't have no way of trying to understand reality. You have to have some way of understanding reality, and you want to have the right way of understanding reality. By the way, do you know when um, the government trains people to identify counterfeit bills, the way they train them is they train them to study the original, to study a non-counterfeit bill, a real bill. Because in order to identify the counterfeit, you have to know the genuine. So they can just glance at a bill and go, I see that is wrong because I know the original. I know a real $100 bill so well that when I see a fake one, it immediately jumps out at me. Well, the same thing is true. You've got to know the truth in order to identify a lie. So you have to study philosophy, the kind of philosophy that can help you discover the truth about reality. Now, the book I recommended was Intro to Philosophy by my co-author, Dr. Norman Geiser. He has written so many great 
foundational books. You might want to pick that up if you want to go further. Now, Stoicism, that's just one type of philosophy. Yeah, it'd be nice to know something about that, but it's not necessarily required as a Christian. Although when Paul is on Mars Hill in Acts 17, the two types of philosophers that he was going after were the Stoics and the Pantheists, I believe, or the Epicureans and the Stoics, I should say. And so it might might be helpful to know something about Stoicism. But yes, Olivia, check out the Intro to Philosophy book. Also, I spent a lot of time on philosophy actually using it in the book Stealing from God, so that might be helpful. Stealing from God. Uh, Before I get to our key question that Clarissa has mailed in, I want to mention that Thursday... Uh, On uh, Thursday, November 3rd, I'll be at Rutgers University to do I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. That will be live streamed as well on our YouTube channel and website. Saturday, I'll be at Liberty University. There'll be a number of speakers at Liberty University as well. Saturday, November 5th. Actually, the conference starts November uh, 4th, the night before. There's a number of speakers. I'm just speaking for 30 minutes, but everybody's doing kind of a short 30-minute, 20-minute TED Talk kind of thing. Uh, Check out our website, crossexamined.org, for more on that. That's uh, Friday night and Saturday, November 4th and 5th. Then then on Sunday, November 6th, I'll be at Central Ministries, which is a church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I think we're doing the morning services there, and then we're coming back in the evening to complete I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist and Take Your Questions. Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. Don't forget to vote. In fact, the the next show we're going to have is, should Christians really be involved in politics? We covered that topic a couple of years ago. We're going to revisit it. I've got some new insights on that that you might be interested in. And then on Thursday, November 10th, we'll be at Valdosta State University in Georgia, Uh, for I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Again, that will be live streamed. Okay, let's go to uh, Clarissa's question. This is an amazing question she asked. She says, I'm a librarian at an elementary school and struggling to speak up amongst my colleagues in a respectful and truthful truthful manner. They seem to be well-intentioned people, but they are not realizing the decisions they are making, and I am blown away by the discussion that we have had about diversity and inclusion in books. It feels like I'm going crazy and everyone everyone else is going right along with the idea that we are proving, approving books for all children. And I've been doing this job for over 20 years now in education and for 30, uh, she's been, I've been in education for 30, I've never seen the likes of it. She says, we've had conversations about pronouns. This is elementary school, ladies and gentlemen, and how we should respect them. How parents are just being political about books and that their children are reading that have these LGBTQ themes in them. My former library director said at one one of our meetings that if we didn't agree that uh, talking about diversity books is important, we may want to go find another job. She says, I was completely and utterly dumbfounded, and she's a good friend of mine. All right, let me ask a question. What does diversity mean? Are all ideas equally good? Is there anything you would shield from an elementary school student? I mean, are you going to allow them to view pornography? Are you going to allow them to read Mein Kampf by Hitler? Are you going to allow them to read Penthouse magazine? I mean... What does diversity mean? Does diversity mean that every single idea needs to be provided to elementary school children? Anyway, 
Just think about that. And then Clarissa goes on to say, I would so appreciate any help I can get to spread truth and love. I've not been outspoken. I've had a difficult time with understanding how so many can be so lost. You know why people are so lost, ladies and gentlemen? Because the church has refused to speak up. We're salt and light. We're supposed to preserve what's good and, and shine light where light needs to be shined. And if we don't do it, who will? Anyway, here's what she says. Any advice you can give me on speaking the truth would be very helpful. I just heard your podcast on silencing the lambs. I bought the book and it arrived yesterday, so I can't wait to read it. I'm excited to dig in. Thanks for your time. I truly enjoy your nuggets of wisdom. Please know that your show is a breath of fresh air and is so needed. Thank you very much, Clarissa. So in addition to the questions I asked, what does diversity mean? Are all ideas equally good? Is there anything that you would shield from a elementary school student? Um, ask, that, ask those questions. Is, are you saying that there's nothing morally inappropriate for elementary school kids? You know, you say that's censorship. No, 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 no. Every library needs to easy for me to say. Every library needs to select a small number of books from the virtually virtually I just can't speak today. I don't know. I've just been talking too much, man. I've been on the road too long. <sighs> Sorry. Every library needs to select a small number of books from the limitless choices that there are out there, right? Now, selection is not censorship. It is making the best choices for children. So I might ask some other questions of these people. Well, actually, the first question you may want to ask, Clarissa, is do you consider yourself a tolerant person open to diverse ideas? What are they going to say? If they're big champions of diversity, they're going to have to say yes. So as soon as they say yes, then you can say, well, great, because I have some questions and some comments I'd, I'd like to make that um, that actually are diverse. And if you are or you, if you're tolerant and diverse, you'll, you'll accept these ideas then. OK, so you might want to ask, why do you think elementary school sh children should be taught about sex? And what should elementary school children be taught about sex? Should an elementary school be able to contradict your views about controversial sexual issues and impose them on your children against your will? Should they be able to do that? Well, here, my friend Greg Kokel uh, has written a three-minute piece that I think he gave to his wife to go to the school board. And I think it's very well done. You can find it on his website, Greg Kokel, you know, the president of Stand to Reason. Just look for Greg Kokel Stand to Reason School Board. You'll find it. Here's what he told uh, or he, he, he wrote, wrote for his wife to bring to the school board because I guess he couldn't go. So I think his wife went and read this. You only get three minutes. So you're not going to be able to school everybody on their illogic. You might want to use these buzzwords they have to your advantage. And, and, and I'll just read it. And I, I think it's a good way of dealing with the problem. He says this, we are a diverse community and the school board values diversity. That means there are diverse understandings about controversial issues like human sexuality. Traditionally, parents have been the ones to carefully inform their children about these issues at a time and in a way appropriate for their age and within the protected environment of the family. The government represented here by the school board has not traditionally been allowed to interfere with educating issues so critical to family and so appropriate to private parental nurturing of their children. To do so would, would be to have 
individual family beliefs and values overridden by whatever group happened to be in power at the time. No one set of personal values should be allowed to dictate the beliefs of our children in a public education system that includes such diverse groups as Muslims and Christians and Orthodox Jews and Buddhists and humanists and atheists and so many others. Public values shared by all, on the other hand, values like honesty, kindness, truth-seeking, integrity, respect, etc., should be encouraged by all, including the schools, since they are agreed upon by all and are not controversial. However, conscientious and divisive personal views should not be forced upon our children. This is indoctrination and replaces the parents' rightful role. When government takes over the responsibility of informing our children's private and personal moral values instead of the parents and individual families doing so, it is a step towards oppression and a significant and serious violation of the diversity and multicultural respect the school board stands for. You see what Greg is doing here? He's playing right into their buzzwords. Anyway, he... he, finishes this way. If any group in power gets to force their personal values on our kids, then when a different group gets power, they will be able to force their personal values on that group's kids. Neither is consistent with diversity, tolerance, or appropriate American literally, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, appropriate American liberty. Please, I respectfully implore you Leave that job to the parents of the children that belong to them and not to the state. Thank you. That's Greg Kokel speaking to a school board that wanted to do precisely, Clarissa, what your library group wanted to do. Basically impose controversial sexual issues and certain positions on those issues on on everybody in the school. That's not diversity. That's not tolerance. And I loved what he did here. He pointed out that many of the issues that are not controversial, like honesty and truth-telling, those can be imposed by the school board, but not the ones that are controversial, particularly when they contradict what Muslims, Christians, Orthodox Jews, Buddhists, and even atheists may say. So, I think that's a great way in a short period of time of dealing with the issue because you can't deal with the issue. You know, you can't spend hours on this. You get three minutes. So try that, Clarissa. I hope that's helpful. And ask those other questions I mentioned as well. All right, right after the break, we're going to have Charlie Kirk on with his brand new book, The College Scam. Check it out. Don't go anywhere. We're back in just two minutes. I'm Frank Turk. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist on the American Family Radio Network. It's in podcast as well. It's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. See you in two. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist on the American Family Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, if I had college-age kids today, would I encourage them to go to a, a secular college? You know, I've been thinking about this question for quite a while. And unless they really wanted to be, say, an attorney, a doctor, an engineer, or maybe a military officer, my honest answer now is almost 
certainly know why. Because for most young people, especially Christians, the downside of going to college now appears to far outweigh the upside. And nobody's demonstrated this better than my friend Charlie Kirk, who's written a brand new book called The College Scam, how American universities, America's universities are bankrupting and brainwashing away the future of America's youth. Now, many of you know that Charlie uh, is, the, is a Christian. He's the president of Turning Point USA, TPUSA. He's the host of three one-hour podcasts per day. Go to charliekirkshow.com, actually charliekirk.com. And he's also on radio, he's on TV. He speaks on college campuses to encourage students to embrace Christianity and defend the greatest political document in world history. That's the United States Constitution. It's always great having Charlie on. Charlie, let's just jump into it. We got limited time. Why'd you write this book and what's the overall theme here? Well, first, thanks, Frank, for having me on. And you're a great friend. Your texts are always so encouraging. And it's nice to have a couple friends right now. And, and you're one of them. So thank you. It's, it's really touching. Absolutely, yeah, you know, when I, think about, when I think about whether or not you should send uh, Christian kids to college, I, I, I often think of a conversation I had with a pastor who ran a missionary ministry. And he described about how he had to be very careful sending certain missionaries to very, let's just say, war-torn countries if they were not prepared for it psychologically, religiously, theologically. Because, for example, if you do missionary work in parts of Russia, it can harden you. I mean, you could come back a completely different person or you might you know, have questions about your faith. I think it's exactly the same with college. We're sending massive amounts of young people that could be doing missionary work, but are they being prepared for that? Or, or, or do they know that's really what's going to be happening? And so, look, I wrote this book, The College Scam, and you were nice enough to read it, Frank, which is one of the great compliments. You know, you've written a lot of books, Frank, and they're wonderful. When someone actually reads your book, it's awesome. <laughs> not just not just buys it, but reads it. Uh, and so I have a, have a copy here. And look, I, I spent uh, four or five years really thinking about the topic. I spent a couple years writing it. And I spent a lot of time researching it. And Frank, as you know, in the back of the book, there's a ton of pages of footnotes. It's all very, it's very data heavy, but I go about it in a unique way where I put the college industry on trial. Because I know that mm. the argument that I'm making that college is a scam is an unpopular argument. I understand that. So I had to think where in America do we have a venue where unpopular arguments are allowed to be heard, where there is a jury or there is a prosecutor. Hey, the courtroom. So I'm the prosecutor and I'm bringing forth charges against the college industry. And, and so what's been so fascinating about this, Frank, is the deafening silence from the college industry in not responding to this piece of work. Um, it's selling very well. It's been written up. We've done a ton of interviews. But Usually, you know, when I've written books in the past that were more political, this is not a political book at all. Um, there are always no. kind of, you know, the, the snarky responses. There really hasn't been. And I, I, I think it's because it's a very difficult argument to disagree with. Frank, you read the book. And I think 99% mm -hmm. of it, most parents would find agreeable. They might disagree at the conclusion where I say way too many kids are going to college, way too many you know, kids should not generally go unless for a specific purpose to become a doctor, a lawyer, accountant to, you know, get the piece of paper and move on with your life. And so we put the entire, you know, college industry on trial. I think we do it very fairly and factually. And from a Christian perspective, I just want to say, you got to be very careful sending your young, your, your young child to college. Uh, it will, I, I was just at University of Texas, Austin, Frank, I could tell you all about it. And um, the godlessness that is in these institutions, you know it better than anybody when you visit these universities. Um, it's, it's very dark. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you will pay $28 on Amazon right now for the college scam by Charlie Kirk, but it could save you more than 200 grand in tuition, and it could save your child from rejecting Christ because of the misinformation they're going to get. No, That's it's right. true, Charlie. I mean, I've been thinking about this, and you put it all so beautifully in this 10-point indictment, but I got to push back a little bit because I know what people are thinking, Charlie. Yes. You use the word scam, which sounds like it's an indictment implying fraud. Like somebody's trying to defraud us. The college industry is trying to defraud us out of something. What do you mean by that? Yeah, not implying it. Uh, I own it. I, I believe they are defrauding. Uh, I don't think that they're making young people stronger in their desire to pursue truth, uh, to develop reason, understanding of the Western canon. Um, having spent a lot of time on college campuses and running a college organization, I can tell you the vast majority of young people are counting the days till they get to graduate, to get out of it, to go back into the world. And we have to ask, what is the value proposition exactly? You know, is it worth going 50, 70, $100,000 into debt to just get a piece of paper? Now, the argument would then be, okay, Charlie, uh, they need it to be able to get a job. Okay, so mm. we, we walk through that in the book, but let's hold on a second. How would one define a scam? How about if 41% of people that enter into that business end up not getting the product? So 41% of people that enroll in college drop out. And then another 50% on top of it, which is the incredible statistic, end up getting jobs if they get a job in fields that don't require college degrees. Said hmm. differently, only, only about 25 to 27%, the number fluctuates, end up graduating and getting a job that ends up requiring them to go to college in the first place. That means anywhere between 60 to 70%, no matter how you cut the pie, probably shouldn't be there in the first place. And these kids that drop out, they were told that four-year college is the best answer for you. And maybe they wanted to be a welder, a mechanic, an electrician, a plumber, and they dropped out. And, you know, it, it ends up being a really, um, ends up being a really terrible thing in more ways than one. And then that, the other statistic is what really blows people away. And by the way, people know it to be anecdotally true. How many people in the audience right now know a college graduate that is currently working in a job where a college degree would not have been necessary? And so then the mm -hmm. other argument is, well, the other argument is they say, well, it's going to develop my child's, you know, mind and they're going to hear other ideas. I, what are you talking about? I mean, are they going mm -hmm. to Hillsdale College? You know, are they going to Arizona right. Christian University? Okay, maybe. Or Houston Christian, which is a great school. I mean, Frank, you know, we can name some of the good ones. But hold on a second. The vast majority, I mean, 98% of the schools, it is postmodernism. It is critical theory. It is evangelistic atheism. It's anti-Americanism. And it was really sad. I, as I just mentioned, I was at University of Texas, Austin. Not only do I speak there and take questions, but I also set up a table on the campus and just let kids come up for two hours and film all the interactions. And I, I asked some of the philosophy students, I said, have you guys ever heard of John Locke? Have you ever heard of Thomas Sowell? Not, 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 not a soul had heard of Thomas Sowell. And it, that's wow. just, that's not a complete education, Frank. It isn't. I'm not saying mm. they have all mm. the answers, but they certainly, I mean, I asked, I asked one of the kids who had a lot of opinions about religion. I said, what do you think of Thomas Aquinas? And he said, who is that? I said, that... <laughs> It's amazing the misinformation they're getting there. And we we started our ministry uh, 15 or so years ago, Charlie, because three out of four young people that went off to college left the church. These are Christians right. who are in church. They left when they went to college. Now they're actually leaving before that because we all have the golden recta re rectangle giving us uh, misinformation 24-7. Yep. But Charlie, you also write this in the book. You say that half of all... Well, Let's, let's put it in context. 41% don't make it through. 
Okay, mm-hmm. half uh, half of the people that do make it through are in jobs that don't need the degree they have. And then you write this: half of all employers say that college grads are not prepared for the workplace. So, Charlie. What are some of the useless majors that you document here in the college scam, the new book by Charlie Kirk, ladies and gentlemen, that they are teaching in college? Give us some, a few examples of what of what they're teaching at some of these colleges. Yeah. So, Frank, we talk about it in this book. And I mean, some of the wacky majors, I mean, from feminist theory, I mean, the, the cliche ones of underwater basket weaving. But, you know, less of a less of a focus on that, because let's I, I try to be very honest in the book. Right. So I don't want to mislead people that that is not a majority of the majors. But. Even if you study engineering, you got to take the wacky classes. That's what's important, that it's not just the majors. It's the wacky classes and not even the wacky ones like, oh, yeah, you know, my son is taking philosophy at Brown. Oh, really? Philosophy of what? You know, philosophy in Greek means the love of wisdom. I don't think there's a lot of wisdom being shared at Brown at all. Uh, In fact, the Bible says wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. God is not being honored at Brown University. And so it's even worse than just the majors. You know, some of the major ones, you know, idea, major titles escape me and I could approximate them. But I could say this, though, Frank, that the broader canon of nonsense that is being taught on these campuses would make most parents kind of react in total shock. Well, I think you're right, regardless of the crazy majors that are being taught there, and they're all documented in the book, The College Scam, ladies and gentlemen, how America's universities are bankrupting and brainwashing away the future of America's youth by Charlie Kirk. They all have to take the orientation courses, Charlie, which immediately indoctrinate these kids into postmodernism and the so-called inclusion, tolerance, and diversity, which means we are not going to include you and we're going to exclude you if you offer a diverse view, like the view that the Declaration of Independence and God and God-given rights are real. <laughs> we're, going to, right. we're going to say that isn't the case. So the problem is, is that even if your kid goes off and does an engineering degree or a pre-med degree, you're going to find out that the kid is going to be indoctrinated by orientation courses and also the general feel of what goes on on campus in postmodernism, which says there is no truth. There's a bunch of woke right. science also being taught as well, Charlie. In fact, in the book, The College Scam, you talk about instances where medicine, pre-med students are being taught that men and women aren't different. How does this happen in America, ladies and gentlemen? How does it happen, yeah, I mean, Charlie? This woke mind virus, this pathogen, I argue in the book and I argue in my speeches and it drives the media nuts, is more dangerous than the COVID virus that we saw in the last couple of years. Mm. I mean, this virus has infected every major institution. You know, on our program, our podcast, we played this tape of the University of Minnesota medical students who pledge fealty with their fist in the air to the intersex, you know, gender, queer, indigenous people. I mean, so what's so... What, what I think surprises a lot of Christian conservative people is how the institutions that used to be so rooted in reason and just be kind of normal, I guess you could say, engineering and science, have been completely captured by this mm. postmodernist deconstruction mind virus. Now, if you're a parent right now and you're wondering, I got my kids at college or they're about to go to college, what do I do? You're not going to believe what we're going to talk about right after the break because Charlie, in the book, The College Scam, shows you how you can get a great education without ever going to college. And you're going to see it right after the break. I'm also going to ask Charlie about the idea that 
Well, it seems anyway that college graduates make, uh, they make more money. Is that really true? And what's the reason they make more money? So don't go anywhere. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turk, on the American Family Radio Network. My guest, Charlie Kirk. The new book, The College Scam, you need to get it. It's 28 bucks. Could you save, could save you 200 grand. Be right back. Don't go anywhere. If you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, go no further. I can guarantee you, you will never hear this on NPR. We're going to tell you the truth. That's our intent anyway. We're talking to the great Charlie Kirk, his brand new book, The College Scam, How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of America's Youth. Well-documented, 10-count indictment. I wish we had him for several hours, but we only have him for about another 11 minutes, so I want to get right back into it. But before I do, ladies and gentlemen, I want to mention that on Thursday, November 3rd, I'll be at Rutgers University doing I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Charlie is just getting off his college tour, but you can go to TPUSA and see his future college tour coming up. And we'll also talk about an event that's happening in Phoenix in December. I'll be there. Charlie will be there. Many other speakers will be there. But first, Charlie, I got to ask you this. The, The data does show that people that go to college make a lot more money than people that don't. Why is that? Is college the real factor? So I want to repeat a stat I said earlier, right? So if you're able to graduate, so you have a 41% chance of dropping out, according to the national education statistics. So you got to factor in all those people that then have debt, go back into society and no college degree whatsoever. But you also got to ask the question, what are they studying? When you actually factor to what they're studying, they're factoring in people that are highly, highly performing in finance and engineering, medicine, and they blur them all into one aggregate number. If you take those people aside and then you compare, let's say, people that would study gender studies, philosophy, you know, childhood education, compare that up to an average plumber, welder, or someone in the muscular class, the person without the college degree actually earns more than the vast majority Mm. of the people that do. So essentially, the moving average is lifted by like less than 5% of all college graduates, right? After 10 years, someone in finance, someone in medicine will be earning half a million, not necessarily, 250,000, maybe half a million dollars a year down the road, which then brings up the moving average. The last thing I'll say, though, is that they're comparing the wrong statistic. They're not comparing community college or people with certificates to four-year college. You see, that's that's mm. the real question, isn't it? And so mm-hmm. I am saying don't go to college, but I'm very clear in this book that community college, two-year college, getting a certificate, getting a skill. So they're, they're not even comparing the right thing. They're comparing four-year diploma to people that did nothing, that just sat around and decided to go work a minimum wage job. And so right, when right. you actually factor in those things, the data changes completely. Now, some... Some people who are very prominent never went to college, including yourself, Charlie. So tell people how you got to where you are. Yeah, I mean, I'm the best and worst person to talk about this. I think I opened the book with that, Um, (laughs) and which is, you know, not going to college. I could tell you about what you could do if you don't go to college. And then, of course, the number one, you know, accusation I get from people is, well, you never went to college, so you don't know how you could potentially attack college. Now, I, I, I will say this. Having traveled to over a hundred college campuses and spoke, you know, speaking at them and running a college organization, I have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. Sitting in lecture halls, you know, all across the country, um, from Stanford to many other places, you know, I have a pretty good understanding of what's really happening in a college classroom and college lecture hall. Plus, I get to debate and see the fruit for the last decade 
Um, but yeah, I didn't go to college. I took a gap year that was never intended to just be, you know, I thought that I might go back and it turned into a gap decade and started Turning Point USA, you know, started speaking, found something I was good at. And next thing you know, it started to grow. And I just, I think, Frank, how many amazing entrepreneurs, how many amazing young Christians out there that are on fire for the Lord, that have a great skill, are wasting their time, their energy and their talent, their ability to stay up all night and to work towards a goal to go get a piece of paper, you could do that at any time. When you're 19 mm. years old, go start that business. You know, maybe mm. you have a passion to be a carpenter or a welder or you love cars. Like, man, go exhaust that, right? And then you can go back and get the piece of paper if necessary. Well, Charlie, in the book, The College Scam, there's a section that's worth way more than the price of the book. I never knew about 90% of what's in this section. And this is the section, ladies and gentlemen, This, for, if for no other reason you get this book, this is why you need the book. This section is called How to Succeed Without a College Degree. What is in this section, Charlie, that's so valuable? Yeah, I mean, it starts with trying to formulate your life plan, which I got to give credit to Jordan Peterson. He's done a great job of this. He has something called self-authoring mm -hmm. at selfauthoring.com, which I, I think it's very, very helpful. It's not Christian or religious in nature, but honestly, it does have the biblical principle of orienting yourself and trying to find your teleological or your telos or your purpose in life. Big fan of that. And then we go through all the free online courses that are out there. Frank, you can learn more in the free online courses we talk about here from you know the, the chemistry courses at Khan Academy to the wide variety of courses um, from Hillsdale College, learn software development at Code Academy. Um, all these different things we talk about here, and obviously people can buy the book and go through it. And so there's so many of these things, not to mention the work colleges that are available, the job core, the vocational training, apprenticeships. Um, and But look, it all comes down to this. People, when they learn about this, some gravitate towards it. But I really want to talk to the suburban parents listening to this right now. I understand mm -hmm. that as a suburban parent, you think you will be a failure if your kid does not go to four-year college. Please resist that. It, it is not true. Do not send your kid to college because you're afraid telling your neighbor you're going to somehow be embarrassed that little Johnny didn't go to UT Austin. That, 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 that's mm. a bad reason to send your kid to an indoctrination camp. Yeah, and how many uh, different colleges are out there that are going to pull your child to the left and maybe out of the kingdom of God? Almost yes. all of them. There are a few exceptions. Charlie, I know you're a big fan of Hillsdale. In fact, if you've ever listened to Charlie Kirk, ladies and gentlemen, charliekirk.com, three hours a day, uh, you will see that this young man who's now just 29 years old is very articulate and seems to know quite a lot about a lot. Charlie, how'd you learn all this stuff? We got to take learning seriously. You know, one of the critiques against me is that I'm anti-education and it, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, education comes in the Latin word to lead forth. And that means that you're leading forth, hopefully, towards some truth. And every day I put in the work, hour and a half to two hours a day, turn off my phone, listen to audiobooks, selective podcasts, listen to your show a lot, Frank, where I just try to journal what I'm hearing, what I'm learning. And I love to read. I love to absorb. I don't, you know, remember it all. But, you know, if you remember five to 10 percent mm -hmm. over the over the course of a year, you're you're a lot sharper. Right. And then I've taken a lot of the Hillsdale online courses. I've taken over half. They're tough and they're rigorous. And then the final thing, Frank, is I spend time around smart people. And that, that's mm. what spend time around people like you and Dennis Prager, uh, people that are that really get it. I mean, for example, you know, Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. I spent a couple hours with him and I had a whole notebook full of takeaways, Frank, 
where he just talked for wow. two hours over a cup of coffee. And I don't, I, I don't know if I agreed or disagreed with it, but I mean, you're talking about the guy who is the, probably the living expert on Winston Churchill, who talks for an hour and a half on Churchill's role in the West. I mean, how cool is that? Right? That I is. mean, so that, that, that's my encouragement to people. Just be lifelong learners. It, never stop learning. And you got to be deliberate about that, friends. Get it, get get away from Netflix. Get away from your phone. Start reading. Yep. You can't be a leader if you're not a reader. You can only learn from your own experience or somebody else's experience. And you don't have enough time to learn from your own experience. <laughs> you got to start learning right. from other people. And it's easy. And this book, The College Scam, actually gives you basically a roadmap on how to do that beginning on page 222. So you yep. can read the first 221 pages and go, man, this is bad out there. What do I do about it? Well, here's what you do about it. You start on page 222 and you make yourself right. a plan. Now, again, some people have to go to college, as Charlie's already mentioned. You got your doctor, lawyer, accountant, uh, military officer, engineer. Okay, we get it. But choose wisely where you go. And ladies and gentlemen, if you send your child off to a college that's a secular college, even a Christian college, get them involved in a Christian group on campus and then you can invite Charlie Kirk to campus. You can invite me to campus. You can invite other people to campus who will help ground your child in the truth, not just the truth of Christianity, but the truth of conservative values that are in agreement with Christianity that allow us to actually live and preach our faith. And that's Amen. what Charlie does so well. That's why I'm such a big fan of his work. And Charlie, you've got something coming up in addition to uh, your college tour, which you're going to resume next semester you got something coming up in Phoenix. I'll be there with you. What is the big event in Phoenix in December? Well, first of all, I'm thrilled you're speaking there, Frank. It's going to be great. Um, you know, I think it'll be really fun for the students to hear kind of a full defense of Christian apologetics. I think you're going to do a great job. Uh, we're going to have anywhere between 10 to 15,000 people in Phoenix, Arizona, December 18, 19, and 20. Uh, Amfest.com. That's amfest.com. Tucker Carlson's going to be there. Tim Poole's going to be there. Many senators are going to be there. Hopefully, some governor and senator elects will be there. We'll see what happens in mm. the coming weeks, right? Yes. Um, it yes. really it is the largest multi-day celebration of America. Um, and it's amazing, Frank. You'll see we have a night of worship. We're bringing in some of the top Christian artists uh, that aren't woke, and we'll be announcing some of those names soon. We have a Sunday morning <laughs> church service that we do, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. You see uh, over a 1,000 kids at 7 a.m. when they could be doing, you know, not that, coming in and they're secular kids giving their life to the Lord and all that. It's this beautiful thing, but it really is a celebration of America, which is a celebration of liberty, which is not man's idea. It's God's idea. It's a wonderful thing. Can't wait to have you there, Frank. It's going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, amfest.com. Amfest.com, ladies and gentlemen. Great time to be in Phoenix, ladies and gentlemen, December, just That's before right. Christmas. So check it out and also go to TPUSA Faith. Tell us a little bit about that, Charlie. We've got about 30 seconds before we have sure. to sign off. What's, what's that yeah. about? You spoke at our pastor summit. You were wonderful, Frank. Mm -hmm. We're going to have you back and do more things together. Uh, we're just trying to unite Christians around the idea of liberty so that Christians can properly understand it, explain it, and hopefully defend it. Liberty, again, does not come from government. It comes from God. I'm afraid we're losing liberty in this country. Liberty is doing what you ought to do in the pursuit of virtue. We have to make sure that we defend that for future generations. All right, friends, we got some marching orders here. First of all, get the book, The College Scam by Charlie Kirk. If you go to Amazon, you'll see it is very well recommended for good reason. 
And if you don't do anything else, if you don't want to hear about all the nonsense on the college campus, just go to page 222 and start there. It could save you 200 grand, and it could also save your child from being yanked out of the kingdom by some postmodern atheist on campus trying to misinform your child. Charlie, it's always wonderful having you on. Thanks for being on, and, and keep doing what you're doing, brother. God bless you. That's Charlie Kirk, ladies and gentlemen. CharlieKirk.com. Three podcasts a day, one hour each. You need to check him out. You can also get the book, The College Scam, wherever books are sold. Go to TPUSA Faith for more. And if you're on a college campus, there might be a TPUSA a group on campus. You might, may want to have your young child or your, your young student join that. I'm Frank Turek. See you here next week. God bless.